0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In all of the scriptures for this weekend, we hear about the importance of marriage. Now if you look at the writings of Pope John Paul II, as well as Pope Benedict, they constantly argue that marriage is every bit a vocation, as is priesthood. In the sacrament of marriage, both man and women are brought together to fulfill God's plan. Now, granted, this vocation of marriage is not for everyone. Some people are called to it, some are not, and that's okay. Now, what I find very disheartening is when you look at the lives of the saints in our church, I would say about 80 to 90% of the saints in our church are religious people, priests, nuns, bishops, that have vowed to live chaste and celibate lives. There are very few married couples that are saints. Now, when I think of sanctity or heroic virtue, the first thing that comes to my mind, parents. Parents and that selfless love they give to their children all the time. The demands that are placed upon them by their children and how parents constantly exceed those demands. You see that in the demands of each spouse upon the other. They put demands upon the other, and they always exceed those demands out of self-sacrificing love. See, that's what I would call sanctity. That's what I would call heroic virtue. Now, specifically, in the first reading, as well as in the gospel, it speaks about the holiness of married life. Notice how the first reading begins. It says, The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. How are we made? Well, we are made in the image and likeness of God. Is God ever alone? Absolutely not. God is a community of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're never separated. There's never a time in which the Father will say to the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm going to go off on my own. No, they're always together. There always exists that community of love between them. And now God sees that man, or Adam, is alone. And that's not good. So what does God do in response to this? He tries to make a suitable partner for man, for Adam. It says, So the Lord God formed out of the ground various wild animals and various birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called each of them, it was their name. See, God is giving Adam now animals. He thinks the animals would be suitable partners for man. But notice what it says it says, but none proved to be a suitable partner for man. Well, why is this? It's because we as human beings, we cannot relate to animals. We cannot relate to them intellectually, socially, or culturally. We just can't. They're animals. There's nothing wrong with animals. We all have pets. But nonetheless, we cannot relate to them intellectually or socially. Aristotle once said, A friend is like a second self. A friend is a person in which we equally function as a second self in of themselves. They are mutually like us, intellectually, socially, and culturally. See, God recognizes this. That's why it says next in the story, So God cast a deep sleep over man. And while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed it up in the place of flesh. The Lord God then built up woman from the rib that he had taken from man. Now see what this declares. It declares equality between man and woman. And see, that is the ground for partnership and friendship. Now, don't make the mistake. This does not indicate man's superiority over woman or woman's inferiority to man. Instead, it stresses equality. More to it, it stresses marriage is part of God's overall plan. When a couple comes together, when they are drawn together in marriage, they do so precisely to accomplish God's plan and God's purpose in life. St. Paul saw this clearly. You see this in many of his epistles, and you see this also in this weekend's gospel. Christian marriage is precisely part of the Christian plan that God has put before us. Why? Because marriage between man and woman best mirrors the relationship that Christ has with his church. If you look at all four of the gospels, Jesus from time to time refers to himself as the groom. We, the church, are the bride. Christ gives his love to the church. In fact, he gives his very life for the church. And as a church, our response is to give our love back to God, offer lives of fitting service to God and others in this world. You see, St. Paul repeatedly in his epistles would talk about or write about how love and marriage between man and woman closely expresses the love between Christ and his church. Was Christ's love for his church joyful? Absolutely. Christ always took delight in preaching, teaching, healing, just being in the presence of his disciples. Well, so too with marriage. There comes joy with it. True joy. Not a giddy or a half-wit joy, but instead a true joy in which the spouses take delight in each other's presence. Was Christ's love for his church genuine? Absolutely to the extent that Christ challenged his disciples in matters of faith and morals so that they would draw closer to him. Well, so too with marriage. The love between a man and a woman in marriage is genuine, such that they each challenge each other to draw deeper in a greater love and commitment with each other. Did Christ suffer for his church? Yes. His mission reached its apex when he mounted the cross. And that truly is the greatest act of self-sacrificing love the world will ever know. Do couples suffer? Yes, from time to time. The suffering comes in many different forms, an unexpected diagnosis, maybe unemployment, poor health, whatever it is, they suffer from time to time. That's the price of love. And yet, there's no such thing as dumb suffering. That suffering is somehow meaningless, When couples suffer, it's just the way of living out the cross in their lives. Now, turn to the gospel. Jesus, again, is teaching us how marriage between a husband and wife best symbolizes and mirrors the relationship, the marriage between Christ and his church. So you say to yourself, okay, I get that. But how does marriage accomplish God's plan and God's purpose in life? Well, it does so. Because marriage fosters love, life, and holiness. First, love. The marriage between Christ and his church is based upon love. It's rooted upon love. Well, so too with a husband and wife. Their relationship is deeply rooted in love. Both, husband and wife, they gaze upon each other. And they say to one another, my life is about you, about the love I receive from you. the love I give to you. More to it, that love now spills over and touches the lives of all the other people they come in contact with, their children, their grandchildren, their friends, their co-workers. On top of that, their love is manifested in actions. A husband takes a second job in order to pay for Christmas presents for the kids and the children. A wife, she stays up all night tending to a sick child because she knows her husband needs sleep. He has to get up early in the morning. More to it, children learn love from their parents. Children are constantly watching their parents. They see how their parents express love for each other, and therefore, children learn how to love from their parents. Second, life. Well, marriage fosters life, doesn't it? Just as the marriage between Christ and his church produces life for the church, well, so too with the husband and wife. Whether they are blessed with the ability to have children or blessed with the gift of adoption, the husband and the wife realizes that they, along with God, are the authors of life. They recognize always and are keenly aware of how awesome a gift of life is given to them by God. Therefore, they reverence and they cherish all life in their family. Finally, holiness. Just as Christ makes our church holy, so too do with the husband and the wife. Each spouse motivates and encourages each other to grow always stronger in their faith. More to it, they recognize their roles as primary educators of their children in matters of faith and morals. In doing so, They both work to create what John Paul II wrote about many times throughout his papacy. He referred to it as the Ecclesia Doministic, the domestic church. And see, that is found in the family. That's why marriage, if you look in the gospel, as well as in the first reading, marriage is a reality that is deeply blessed by God. And it's reflective of the way that God is toward us and the relationship that we have with our Lord. It's important for us to take some time out this weekend and read these scripture passages, all three of them, from Genesis, Hebrews, and also from Mark. All three of these scripture passages talk about marriage and why we as a Catholic church hold marriage up so high in the sanctity of marriage, that marriage truly fosters and promotes love life, and holiness. And marriage between man and woman best exemplifies and mirrors the great marriage between Christ and his church. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.